Amen. Thanks, Fee. Uh, I was going to pray, but my prayers are always a lot shorter. God help them, help me. Um, it's been about seven months since I've been up here. It's been a while. I'm a bit rusty. Uh, worst case scenario, you get an opportunity to um, practice your grace towards me this morning. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I was thinking next week I might get a little serious with all the anointing and appointing. Um, so I was going to have a bit of fun today. Is that okay? Um, I was going to explore some ideas. Uh, please don't walk out um, halfway through. Just get, get, I pull it all together at the end, all right? Just, just uh, a heads up there. So if you think, oh, where is he going with this? Don't worry. I'll hopefully pull it together at the end. Um, I really appreciated what Russ had to say last week. In fact, I, wasn't, I didn't appreciate it. I was challenged by it um, when he got up and he said, let's not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Um, and that's really the challenge. You know, we live in this uh, unprecedented time of content. I can flick on the computer or whatever, and I've got access to millions of hours of sermons. I can tune into any worship service around the globe. I've got so much access, but if I don't put any of that into practice, it's all pointless. It would be more effective for me to listen to one sermon and do it than to listen to a sermon every day and never do it. So I just wanted to challenge us all again today. Uh, let's be doers, not hearers. And speaking of the internet, there was, uh, I remember early on, there was um, uh, sort of when, when the church was sort of discovering the internet and we were sort of, um, you know, getting like church websites and stuff happening, going back about 20 years now. And I remember um, I came across this website that was prayer requests and I thought, oh, that's cool. I'm going to pray for some people's prayer requests. So I'm uh, going through and it sort of came up as a list and you'd pray for one and then you'd click next and the next one would come up. So one came up and it was like, you know, please, please pray for my, um, my mum, she's not well. So I was like, yeah, pray for that person's mum that she would just be, you know, really healed and there would be just uh, victory in her life. Next one. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gone for a new job and please, would people, please pray for, my, for this application. Oh, I just pray for that person, wherever they are, that they would get the job that they need and the Lord, you make them powerful and effective in the place that you put them. Awesome. Yeah, okay, next one. Uh, and it said... Would people please pray? I really want a big screen TV. Am I meant? Are we meant to pray for that? I don't know. Are we? (laughs) Sure. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? What are we meant to pray for? Because I have this concept, maybe it's not correct, I'll try and prove it with the scriptures, go with me here, Uh, because what if God reveals his nature to the world by the blessings he gives us? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I've got some verses to back it up. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 7 that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches, or I like that word, exceeding riches, that buys me a big screen TV, of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So, so the fact that he's kind to us, that shows how rich he is. 
Isn't that nice? That's a, that's a good way of reading that one. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. So he's created us and he wants to show us off. That's how I'm reading it. Let's go on to uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11. While you are enriched, there we go, there's that word again, in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So God, if you bless me, if you give me the big screen TV, it causes thanksgiving to you. It was a win-win, right? All right, next, next verse. Philippians, don't worry, I'm going somewhere. Philippians 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So there we go. So he, he blesses us and then he's glorified. Total win-win situation. And you know what? If I was a prosperity doctrine guy, I'm not. But if I was... I would be hanging on these verses. I'd be like, yes, you know, we, we are meant to be prosperous because it displays the abundance of God. And you know what? Maybe there is truth in there, but it's not all of the truth. Because when we focus on prosperity, we distort the focus of the blessing and we make us the focus and not Jesus, don't we? Um. My awesome wife over there, when, uh, when we go driving somewhere and we need to get a park, sometimes she prays for a car park. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if you're supposed to pray for car parks, I don't know. She's like, well, why not? Why can't you pray for car parks? Well, what if, what if it was a car park outside of the ice cream shop and you really don't need an ice cream because you're still recovering from Christmas time? Should you be praying for that car park? Probably not. But what if it was a car park outside of the bank so you could get money out to give to charity? Oh, now you should be praying for that car park, shouldn't you? <laughs> Starts to get a bit confusing. Which car park should I be praying for? You know, um, during our drive to church, Fiona often gives thanks for the green lights we get because we're running late and we need those green lights to get there on time and Lord if you want me to get to church on time give us a green light <laughs> it's in your interest <laughs> but then I got thinking you know what would be better at getting me to church on time a Ferrari A Ferrari would get me to church faster. I'd be able to zoom up to 60 k's an hour, 50 through the CBD, really quickly. And you know, as people stand on the side of the road and watch me go by in this blur of red, they would give glory to God for the abundance upon my life of giving me a Ferrari. And just to make sure, I'll put a fish sticker on the back. <laughs> Which leads me to the title of today's sermon, if you're taking notes. God, can I have a Ferrari? <laughs> See what the Bible says about it. 
Uh, Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given. We'll just stop there. Don't worry about the rest of it. No, because, uh, and like Russ also mentioned last week, we don't get to pick and choose out of the Bible, do we? We don't get to take just the stuff that backs up our already pre-existing bias, which we all do. We have to take all of the word and all of its entirety. And so we have to let the word say what the word is saying. So we better look at it in context. In fact, we read this um, passage out in youth uh, on, on Friday night in our little small group um, with, I think there were year sevens or year sixes or something in our group. Do you remember the year eights? And, um, and so I read this passage out and it says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For if everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will, you give him, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Huh. So I said to the, um, these year eight kids, I said, what do you think that verse means? That passage means, and they said, duh, it's about salvation and the Holy Spirit. So, oh, okay, yeah, cool. All right. So, I can't use that as my Ferrari verse. I'll move on. So, um, the next verse I, I thought I could use for my Ferrari verse is, is John 14. Verses, um, well, let's first of all look at verse 14. 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's it, right? That's the Ferrari verse. Uh, we better look at the context. All right, starts in verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So, so the full context of that passage, uh, really it's about the works that Jesus was doing. And what we should be asking in the context of us doing the works that Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't driving around in a Ferrari. So, unfortunately, I can't use that verse either. And it's interesting to note that, uh, you know, to do the works that Jesus did, he goes on to talk about the helper. And we can't do the works that Jesus did unless we have the helper, the Holy Spirit, in us. Let's have a look at another one. John 15, verse, uh, let's look at verse 16, but only the end of verse 16, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So again, maybe this is my Ferrari verse. Let's have a look at it in context, see if I can fit it in there. 
Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. And I just want to draw your attention, it does go on, um, there's a bit more on that passage, but I just want to jump down to verse 26, where it says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So it's interesting, that passage is really talking about God is, or Jesus is going to reveal his truth to us, the things that he has shown from the Father. He's going to reveal them to us again. How? By the Holy Spirit. He's going to send the Spirit of truth that's going to reveal the things that he's going to make known to us. Are you spotting a theme here? Everywhere where he says, ask and I'll give you, there's something about the Holy Spirit involved here. And so I'm starting to, I'm starting to, you know, like those, those NCMI pictures, not NCMI, NCIS, <laughs> where, they, where they're, drawing, uh, they're drawing all the connections on the board and they've got the strings going everywhere. And, and this is my mind uh, in the last couple of days. Like, how does this all connect, Lord? What are you doing here? And then he led me to this verse, which doesn't kind of make sense, but I'll try and try my best to make it make sense. Matthew 21, um, verse 22, it says, whatever you ask in prayer will be given. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. I believe for a Ferrari. Let's look at context. Verse 18, now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. This is Jesus. Maybe some of you are feeling that way now. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now, this one took a little bit of of, um, pondering. Like, Lord, what are you saying here? What is the context? And it dawned on me, you know what? If I was hungry and I was Jesus, Why didn't he just pray for fruit? You know, hunger is one of the most uh, pressing urges we have in our flesh. Your belly might be rumbling right now and thinking, how much longer is he going to go? I can't wait for lunch. It starts to consume you, doesn't it? Hunger. And yet Jesus, even though he was hungry, he ignored what was happening in the flesh And because he only ever walked in the spirit, he prayed in the spirit. And so what he asked for in the spirit was given because he was in the will of the Father. And it's interesting when you, uh, a few chapters later in chapter 24, Jesus again talks about a fig tree 
and how all the natural things of the world will pass away, but his words will remain. And I can guarantee you the disciples who were listening to that immediately thought of the fig tree that withered away. Because Jesus was listening to the Spirit and he was speaking in the Spirit, not speaking out of flesh. In fact, he tells us not to pray for our needs because he already knows what they are. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they, are ne- for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature, inch to his height? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I've found it. My Ferrari verse. Because I don't need a Ferrari, and we're not supposed to pray for things that we need, so I can pray for the Ferrari, right? Technicality, I've got it. It's my loophole. What I'm actually saying is, it's important for us as Christians, we pray in the power of the Spirit. We need to grow up from praying out of our carnality, our flesh and our immediate desires and we need to understand what it means to pray in the power of the Spirit. I loved what uh, Michelle shared this morning about learning to listen to the Holy Spirit so that we can Pray in the power of the Spirit. If we watch what Jesus did, he was spending time with the Father, hearing the Father's voice. And so when he's encountering a fig tree, instead of praying out of carnality and saying, fig tree, have figs on it, I'm starving. He was listening to what the Spirit was saying and he spoke to the fig tree what the Spirit was saying. So where is the line between a Ferrari or a big screen TV or a good parking spot? You know what, it does say in the Bible that we, need to pr- we should be praying without, pray without ceasing and we should be grateful for everything that the Lord gives to us, all of our blessings. But that should not be the only way we communicate with the Father. Because when we pray in the Spirit, there's something um, powerful about our prayers because we're praying the will of the Father. When we pray in the Spirit, He is made manifest in us. And when He is made manifest in us, the world sees Him. He is revealed. That's what manifest means. It means to make known or to be shown. And as He is made manifest, as He he is revealed, He is glorified. And where is the focus? 
It's not on me. It's not on the prayer. If I'm praying for my carnality, the focus is on me. If I'm praying in the spirit, the focus is on him. So what are we praying for in the spirit? Glad you asked. <clears throat> Second Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's the Holy Spirit in, in these imperfect bodies. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So we have the Holy Spirit. We're called to pray in the power of the Spirit according to the Spirit. That means we get to ask him into every situation that he has made manifest through us. That means when we go shopping, we are shopping with the Holy Spirit. When we are putting petrol in our car, we are putting petrol in our car with the Holy Spirit. When we need a car park, we are with the Holy Spirit looking for a car park. And maybe he'll give you a car park, or maybe he'll tell you that the car behind you is a single mum with like three kids in the car, and she really needs the car park, and so you drive on by. What is the Spirit saying? You know, that verse talks about us being hard-pressed, to me, that speaks of sometimes we feel under pressure, but in the power of the Spirit, we're not crushed. You know, when we, when we have this treasure in earthen vessels, we can approach difficulties or situations in life or go through them even with a different countenance that the world sees. And again, he is made manifest. People say, how this stuff has happened to you? How can you keep going? Jesus, he's in me. You know, perplexed. What, is it? what does it say? Perplexed but not in despair. Sometimes we're unsure why something is happening. But it doesn't lead us into despair when we know him. Persecuted but not forsaken. You know, people let us down. But we can carry on. He's always with us. He never lets us down. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, there's people in this very room who are carrying illness and carrying it with such a grace and hope. It blows me away. It's only Jesus. Only Jesus. So as we pray in the spirit, we have victory over the concerns of the flesh and the treasure shines out of this earthen vessel. One John four verse twelve says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. So to me that verse is saying, No one has seen God at any time, but he is revealed in us. 
All right, next verse. So, sorry, Priyanka, I, I paused for a second there. Uh, by this we know that we abide in him and, and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. This tells me that every Christian sitting in this room, you have the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you, you get saved and then like sometime down the track you might get the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. It's what I believe. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. He abides in us through his Spirit. And you know what? I don't know that I have the Spirit in me by what I feel. I know that I have the Spirit in me because the Word tells me so. Because I believe the Word and I have faith that I have the Holy Spirit. And I've, I've said this on more than one occasion. It's my belief that faith is a verb. It's an action. It's a doing thing. Faith is not just believing really, really hard. Faith is doing something based on what you already believe. And so if I believe what the Word says and I believe I have the Holy Spirit, I have faith to then act that out in my life. He is sent to us as a helper. Why don't we use him? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. A lot of scriptures today, but um, I like to let the Bible do the heavy lifting. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those, this is us, everyone, who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. It's pretty heavy words. So if you don't know where you stand with the Holy Spirit, you better figure it out and you better get the Holy Spirit because otherwise you're not his. I didn't say it, the Bible said it. Write your letters of complaint to address them to Timothy. <laughs> so it's not really about the Ferrari at all, is it? It's about living in this place where we look beyond the flesh, where we live beyond the flesh. And green light, red light, that is lights, but Lord, what are you doing in this moment? And if I get a red light, Lord, is there, you know, is the person washing my window, do, I, do they need a word from you today? Or whatever it might be. Start shifting your perspective, shifting your focus away from the carnal spirit. What are you doing today? Where are you in this? And I know what some of you are thinking, what about those guys in Acts who didn't have the Spirit, and then Paul laid hands on them, and then they got the Spirit. Well, let's have a look at that, just because that's what I would be thinking if I heard this. Um, Acts 19, it happened. Uh, verse 1, 
And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, well, we haven't even heard about it. What Holy Spirit? And he said to them, into what then were you baptised? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptised with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So um, this, this verse gets a little confusing because a lot of people interpret the fact that these guys were disciples. Uh, they, they attribute the fact that they were disciples to also that they were believers of Jesus. But I think in my mind, you can be two different things. For me, a disciple is someone who is poised, ready to receive, to learn, a heart open to change and to grow. That is a disciple. And so that heard this word about repentance and they'd received the word about repentance and that someone's coming after John, but, but all they know for now is that there's this repentance thing. And so they'd turned away from their sin, they'd repented. But that's only one half of the equation because you and I know who are Christians in this room when we turn away from our sin we don't just turn away from our sin but we turn to Jesus and without turning to Jesus you're not saved yet we turn away from our sin we turn to Jesus we become uh, he becomes our Lord and our and our King we enter into salvation and then we get the Holy Spirit Anyway, that's my interpretation of that passage. You can disagree, that's okay. And, um, and I loved what um, oh, somebody shared today. I forget now, it's all a blur. But somebody shared about knowing, uh, maybe it was you, Richard, knowing, um, knowing Jesus, not just knowing about Jesus. This is my lovely wife, Who's probably a little bit annoyed at me right now because of the car park thing and the traffic light thing. It's the, preacher, it's the preacher's embellishment, and uh, I apologise. But my lovely wife, if, um, if I want to know about Fiona, you know, people could write me letters explaining what she's like, and I could read all the texts, and I go, oh, yeah, I've got a really good understanding of what Fiona's like, but unless I meet Fiona, I don't know what she's like. I don't know her. I just know about her. And it's important for us, you know, as Christians, and I don't know if you've been saved a day or a hundred years, no one's that old in here, almost. Um, why do I say it? Um, what was I saying there? <laughs> yeah, that, all right. <clears throat> It's important that we get to know him. And we get to know him through the spirit. Um, I loved what Helen, um, Helen originally shared and, and Tim re-shared two weeks ago about the pipe organ. 
you know, that we all have a flute to toot. (laughs) We all have a part to play. But you know what? That part becomes powerful when we do it in the power of the Spirit. If we really want to play the note that we've been designed to play, it happens in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to finish it there. Um, But I want to mention, you know, I talked a bit just briefly a minute ago, what it means to turn away from our sin, then we turn to Jesus. If you haven't done that before, uh, there is an opportunity today for you to do that, for you to turn from your sin, to turn to Jesus Christ as your saviour. Um, if, you were, if, you, if that is you and you're brought here by people who are those crazy Christians, well, ask them about it. Um, if you don't have anyone to talk to about it, um, maybe, uh, I don't know, come up the front, wander up the front, and someone up here will um, see you looking lost and um, come over to you uh, when we finish the service. But also, you know, I talked about us listening to the Spirit and praying in the power of the Spirit. We can all do that. We are a team here. The, the, um, the work of the ministry, the saints do the work of the ministry, don't we? It's not special people who get more of the Spirit. It's just people who might have practiced hearing a bit more. But you can hear too. And you can pray in the power of the Spirit. So if you need healing today, Ask the people around you, hey, can you pray for me in the power of the Spirit? I really would like some healing. If you need breakthrough in your life, ask the people around you, hey, can you pray for me for this situation? I need God's perspective. Can you listen to the Spirit and tell me what he is saying? Um, And if you don't have anyone around you or you're too shy, then you're welcome to, um, to... Come up the front as we're dismissed and you can ask someone up there and they, they will happily pray with you as well. But let's get into the habit, people, of being the priesthood. Praying for one another, ministering to one another, operating in the power of the Spirit. Is that good? Amen.